Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, aka Boilerhawk. Uh, Max is not with us, feeling a little under the weather, but we do have Ben Ross, uh, watcher of zero seconds of Hawkeye football this weekend. Ben, how are you doing? You can say Max is under the weather. I am over the weather, coming back from lovely uh, Monterey Bay, California. Had a great uh, weekend out there for a wedding. It was actually a reunion of sorts for my college roommates. Uh, one of my college roommates got married. And so the six of us, uh, we flew out there to support him for a small little uh, shindig wedding get-together he had up there. And it was um, just truly one of the best weddings uh, I've ever been to. Big shout-out to his family and uh, his new newfound wife. I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> my friends and... Uh, the weekend did not include one second of Iowa football, and it that just capped off as a perfect weekend. Saw Pebble Beach, saw an Ooh. aquarium, ate some great food, danced, uh, partied, and it's really my first time ever in California. So um, just a great weekend all around. Yeah, why, why don't you uh, talk us through your mindset of not watching a single second of, uh, of Hawkeye football? I know you mentioned it a little pre-pod, but uh, you want to elaborate a little bit more? Yeah, I set the stage. I was out there. I lived in a house with seven guys my junior year and senior year of college. And uh, so we we all flew out to uh, one of the guys who got married, obviously. Um, he's from Iowa, but he just decided to have the wedding in Monterey. Very small uh, wedding of just about 90 or 100 people or so. And so all of our college roommates were invited. And we all uh, stayed together in an Airbnb uh, outside the venue in, uh, I think, Seaside, California. Um, near Monterey, near Carmel. Uh, they get very mad when you call it Carmel, California, so I started calling it Caramel, California. <laughs> the same but, uh, thing at Car- in Carmel, Indiana. They hate it. Oh, my goodness. And I'd yeah. never heard of it before anyway. <laughs> uh, so Iowa kicked off at 9 a.m. local time for us. And after the back-to-back losses to Michigan and Penn State, and we are some pretty big, you know, diehard Iowa fans. One of my friends who was there, um, his entire family went to Iowa. Um, he's he's a really big diehard Iowa fan, and since we were playing Purdue, um, and the only other bar, the only bar that would, that was open at nine a.m. local time near our Airbnb was a Buffalo Wild Wings. Sounds about right. <laughs> And so we didn't want to be stuck in this beautiful resort town of California for four hours at a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> uh, so we were Googling at other things to do, and we looked up the Monterey Bay Aquarium, a uh, world-renowned aquarium, uh, just a short little drive. We had a, we had a rental BMW convertible uh, meant for four With six people? people? There, were, there were five of us in there. because uh, Oh, the, boy. The sixth person we were with was actually in the wedding party, so he had some, commi- had some commitments that uh, we, we didn't right. have in the morning. Uh, he was a groomsman. And uh, 
so we just we drove down uh, to Monterey, Monterey Bay, a bunch of 28, 29-year-old dudes in an aquarium full of kids and families, and it was, <laughs> it was fucking awesome. We got to see otters being fed. We got to see penguins being fed. We saw puffins. We saw – my favorite thing was they had, they had a giant octopus in a oh. ex- exhibit, and they were feeding it. And the way that thing f- fucking contorted itself in, in the tank and around the, the coral in its habitat was, it was like the coolest. I, I'm a, I've always been kind of against zoos in general. I've been to a couple of zoos recently and uh, they just haven't done much for me. This aquarium, like, I'd, I'd go to again tomorrow if I was there. It was awesome. Um, so we didn't see a single snap. We weren't even like following along too closely of the Iowa game. The only college football we consumed all weekend was when we got back to our Airbnb after the, oh, and after the aquarium, we went and saw Pebble beach, walked, uh, walked a few holes around Pebble beach, did that whole thing, took some selfies, um, bought some extremely expensive hats. Yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> and, uh, got back with about two hours until we had to get ready for the, um, wedding some of us took naps that's some some of us watched the oregon i think washington football game and uh i mean that was it that was all the football i consumed all weekend and i'm totally totally fine with it um just got to see the only play i saw at all of the iowa game was riley moss's interception i could not avoid that on twitter um i don't even know how he scored i'm just looking at the box score now and it's not pretty it's not the best box score I've ever looked at. So I'd kind of like you, Harrison. You were at the game. Yeah, boots um, on the ground. Boots on the ground. So I'd kind of like you to tell me about what you saw, what you didn't see, what you smelt, what you ate, um, what you heard, what you yelled. Let's, uh, you know, I'm blind to Iowa football this week, so you tell me. Yeah, so I guess I want to preface it with any time that the game you go to is like – the worst part of your weekend, I feel like it's been a pretty good weekend. So to get it out of the way, it was just a tremendous time in Iowa City. Uh, my family and I rented a camper. My dad rented the camper, and we used it, stayed out at Sleepy Hollow, worked wonderfully, um, got into sports gambling since it's legal there. That was tremendous. Uh, Iowa didn't cover. Hope you didn't bet on Iowa. I I hedged my happiness with Purdue plus 700. Did not come through. Oh. Did not make me happy. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess that's... Was, the line was like plus 16, right? Yeah, I didn't want to. Oh. I didn't want Iowa to win, and I, I, I just didn't want to make that it. bet. It was, the bet I wanted to make was a quote, bet on Brian, that I dubbed while I'm there. And they did not allow me because the ratio was not appropriate because it was Iowa minus 16 and a half or whatever the line was plus the over. Obviously, neither of them hit. So I just wanted a a little skin in the game like, hey, maybe Brian will prove me right or prove me wrong this one week. He did not. So the first half is just... To me, it's infuriating um, because Iowa has the ball um, four times, more or less, and they score four f- or three field goals, so they're up 9-0. Uh, at this point um, in the half, it's 2-14 remaining, and Purdue gets the ball back. So I'm already a little 
lubed up from, you know, the tailgating festivities. And I just see coming. I see Purdue gets the ball back in the second half. What's going to happen is they're going to score a touchdown there and score a touchdown to go ahead 14-9, and that'll be all they write. So I'm just, I'm angry, very angry, because that is exactly what happens. Uh, Bryson Hop, or excuse me, uh, David Bell just uh, destroys Matt Hankins once again. He did it. David yeah, Bell, I'll talk but, about that when you're done here. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name, Mahungu, uh, destroyed Matt Hankins two years ago on that very same field while I was there. Um, and David Bell picked the scab. Um, you know, I, Hankins wasn't horrible, but they're going to take all those shots that you just need to be perfect every time. Um, so it eventually pulled him out of the out of the half to, or out of the game to start the second half because you know what uh, Phil Parker was not about that life. He was not about to get uh, uh, Matt Hankins uh, exposed again. Um, and then in the to begin the second half, the uh, very much the same. Uh, a lot of David Bell. He ended up with like thirteen receptions, close to two hundred yards. Um, but one pass that they had connected on, um, you know, that cover two beater where it's like that post route, um, uh, underthrown ball from Jack Plummer, not Jake and Riley Moss intercepted it. Um, Riley Moss also had another play where he almost intercepted it. Um, and really he did give up another big play, um, which you may have seen. It was a part of Moss did. Yeah. Um, it was a weird sequence because it was that fourth and two where they called the false start on Linderbaum. My thought was that the fake false start. I did see that play too. I forgot about that. When I saw that live, I thought there's a reason they're talking. My gut said there was some type of fake snap count at the line of scrimmage because there's no other explanation other than some type of simulation like that. But I think it would have been a different penalty, but they ended up calling it a false start. Clearly, clearly not a false start. But um, so anyways, that happened. I had to punt it and then Plummer hit Bell like kind of down the middle, beat Moss. Um, and that was combined with a AJ Epinesa late hit. Um, and really... At, Everyone's irate at this time because oh Iowa's uh you know, Iowa had it. was it a good late hit or was it an NFL? It was the right call. Um, I would say okay. he probably had two and a half steps, which you just can't hit the quarterback if you have that much time. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily dirty or targeting of any kind, but it was it was a late hit. Um, but anyways, okay. uh, everyone's mad. And at this point, I was up 19-10. The only person they should be mad at is Brian Ferentz. So I broke my self-imposed, like, uh, I don't even know the word, blackout uh, or whatever, silent treatment. I'm like, this is dumb. The only person Iowa fans should be mad at are not the refs. They should be mad at Brian Ferentz because Iowa has 19 points against a team that gives up 30 on average, that gives up over four yards a carry, 
and they can't generate anything on offense. It was very frustrating for me. Um, but the rest was written. They only gave up a field goal that drive. Brom tried to do an onside kick, uh, and then that didn't work. Uh, a late hit on that one, um, which was very weird to see. So I had the ball um, just two plays, and that ended up resulting in a touchdown. But really, that was like the defense that Iowa played against Wisconsin last year. You'll remember where they just basically sold out for the run, couldn't make the tackle, uh, and that was two plays like that. So um, really, Iowa got to 26 points. I would call it an aided 26 points, and they got over 100 yards. Also very aided, in my opinion. But those are kind of the magic numbers. Break 24, break 100, and... 100 yards, 100 yards, right. And, um, you know, that probably means an Iowa win. But overall, tremendous weekend. Um, I forgot how exhausting uh, getting up at 5 in the morning is. Oh, and kind of an omen to the story was before the game... My brother hit a fucking deer with his car while I was in the passenger seat. It was insane. Right at the I-80 How bad? interchange. Um, so, it I don't know the literal damage from a dollars and cents perspective, but um, it was drivable. It knocked out a headlight, half of his bumper on the right side, and then, like, his right quarter... Is that called? But, like... Uh, the wheel well. It knocked out some of that, so he had to pry it open so that he could uh, drive without drive. scraping his car. But yeah. <laughs> what happened to the deer? Just scurry off? No, he killed it. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but... Oh, it, it is very sad. Um, we had a bit of a ca- oh, caravan at that moment, so thankfully, like, the people driving behind us... What do you What do? You do You call the police? Call highway police? Yeah, you call the police... Um, get to dispatch non-emergency line. Um, since right. it was at the in- the interchange on eighty and three eighty, we actually went past it, uh, stopped at the Coral Ridge Mall, um, and just kind of waited there. But yeah, that that poor little deer just hate to see it. Was it not a was that not a fully grown deer? It seemed fully grown as it was. <laughs> I, mean, I will say, like, I'm, oh, I'm credit to my brother because there was actually a second deer on the road. There is so we're driving in the right lane, and we see the deer in the right lane. And it, there's a deer like in between the two lanes on the left, uh, closer to us. So he swerved into that deer, its butt, and I guess it kind of spun. If you take the account of uh, the guy who was following us. Uh, that's what he said. Um, and yeah, just kind of finished his life right there on the interstate. Very sad. Very sad. Okay. All right. Uh, enough with the dead deer and Iowa offense analogies. Um, yeah, I know. I want to ask you a couple of questions about the game. Yes. I see, looking at the box score, mm-hmm. uh, Purdue only sacked us, only sacked Nate Stanley once. Was offensive line, uh, aside from obviously not being able to run the ball, 
was that a concern to you in terms of Nate Stanley getting a defensive tackle in his face every fucking play? No, it was pretty clean. Uh, and I do – I think this is where, like, Iowa just hasn't, like, fully committed to super quick passes because there was sometimes when it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. But they just never, to me, fully committed to, like – just being a pass-first offense. And I think that's probably the best version of this offense is somewhere where Nate Stanley has probably 25 completions, 25 of, I mean, I guess, what was he, 23 of 33? Like, if he's 25 of 38, 39, um, to me, that's probably pretty good, especially if he's getting getting the ball out quickly. Some frustration that I did have in the passing game was... There were just too many throws behind the line of scrimmage with spotty blocking in front of the receiver. A couple of times I watched the condensed version back. and What happened like four times against Penn State? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nico Regani was kind of left out to dry a couple of times. It's like Iowa doesn't have anyone good enough that can make three people miss, let alone four or five. So, like, you really, you really need to have you know, appropriate uh, blocking in front of them. Um, yeah. But my frustration really wasn't with Nate Stanley. It, it was mainly just the play calling was just so, just so weird. Because you see these plays that I was comfortable running against Purdue or Miami of Ohio or Middle Tennessee State. And you're like, oh, great. They're getting ready for to use this against Wisconsin or Penn State or Michigan, and you never see them against Penn State or Michigan or Wisconsin, really. Um, and this kind of goes to a point I made in the comments that it's just not a part of Iowa's DNA. It is not. It is a play for Iowa to go out and run, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not a DNA piece like it is for Penn State, who run jet sweep action all the time, they run counters off of it. They use it to get the ball in the hands of their best player on the biggest play of the game. And that's just not really how Iowa is built for better and often times for worse. Um, but I think the so it's like trying to piece together all of the plays Brian has because I do think he has higher ceiling on the plays he designs. And that does come through with seeing it live, but the floor of the overall scheme, it just feels watching it live made it look worse because there just wasn't any cohesion or uh, overarching connective tissue in my opinion. And that was something I thought about like just in relation to Greg Davis to me with Davis. And I know people hate the comparisons, but with him, it always felt like he was trying to marry two very distinct types of offense. And sometimes it worked. A lot of times it felt like it didn't, but it was a light, like an eat your vegetables type, an offense, type of offense because it did score points. It got close to 30 points a lot more than we see with Brian Ferentz 
Maybe it didn't get over 30 because Davis didn't really run up the score like Brian does on some of these teams, but he was consistently within that 24 to 31 point kind of window that wins games for Iowa football. Um, And he didn't have the extra defensive or special teams touchdowns that we've seen, not necessarily this year, but that we saw over the last two years. Um, So, I, I think just seeing it live, it, it's more frustrating because you see the skill live. To me, like it's unquestionable that I was just much better. And but it's also you're not putting the players in the best position to succeed, especially at on the line. Because I just think they're young guys. I went back and like looked at the depth chart today, and they're so young. It's easy to forget that like Ferentz's scheme is built in the NFL more or less where you're working with five to 10 year vets who are really, really good at this or they're not in the league. And you also have kind of the, the thinner hashes, which is something we never really discussed. Um, but because you have more space when you're running those runs to the boundary, it's easier to make space with them. Um, but ultimately to me, what it comes down to is like, you're asking, these freshmen to play in an orchestra when they're having a hard enough time just picking up their instrument, just tell them to block the guy in front of them and figure it out. Use the guys you feel comfortable using on the outside, whether it's pulling worse uh, around an edge or getting Linderbaum, you know, uh, with some counter action or using tight ends more creatively. Uh, but it's just like, I, we hated on Greg Davis so much because he just sucked the life out of the offensive line and they couldn't block pass block at all. But somehow he was able to manufacture a run game. And if it was because Brian Ferentz was the run game coordinator and offensive line coach, and he's really good at that, then there just, there's not enough connective tissue to this offense. And that, to me, was most frustrating watching it live. And I guess that's kind of to, to end my overarching point on um, uh, kind of the game. The biggest problem that I have or biggest gripe, biggest issue is, and this is partially just me because it's not my fucking job, but I don't know how you fix it. I just don't. We're seven games in. To into the season, uh, three years into the Brian Ferentz experience, twenty-one year experiment, twenty-one years into the Kirk Ferentz experience, and there's just simply nothing. There's absolutely no way that we're going to see an overhaul, an offensive philosophy, um, at all this season, for better or for worse. Um, right? <sighs> I mean, th- this is just ultimately. What's frustrating is like I think you actually have the tools to fully commit to to a pass first offense. And I mean, fifty fifty. Iowa is literally fifty fifty, maybe thirty four thirty two because of the Nate Stanley sack. Um, but that's fifty fifty. That's kind of what Kirk Ferentz wants. But I think I think this team is really well suited to be to be pass first. I think you have guys who can 
get that short area quickness. You have blockers on the perimeter with Tracy Smith, Regani. I think all of them are good. I think you have running backs who are capable pass catchers. Like to me, this is built to maybe shift to pass first. And if they're just trying to white knuckle it to the bye week, change it a little bit before Wisconsin, maybe that's it, Ben. But to, to me, it would be a heck of a... Uh, They're not doing yeah, that. It, it, I, I was so rarely good at making adjustments, specifically on offense, that there's just no way that I would feel comfortable predicting it, even though I think that is maybe the better offense that Iowa has. I don't disagree with you there. Um Let's talk about, do you know anything on the status of Brandon Smith? Well, uh, bone bruise was what I last heard. Um, not seeing his name on the depth chart to me is always more indicative of how they finished uh, the game before the game. than yeah. what the next game is going to look like. Um, so I still think it's... I mean, everything's 50-50. But, like, I, I think there's some chance that he plays. And if not, it, it was Calvin Lockett's name on that depth chart, Ben. Not Oliver Martin. Not uh, not Oliver Martin. Uh, yeah, also another weird thing. I guess we'll see how that shakes out. Um, does Lockett even have a catch on his career? That is a good question. Um... I'm not sure he does. I think it might have been that Hudson, uh, but Desmond Hudson did last year. Yeah. Or no, Hudson was oh in his career because Hudson's the red shirt fre- or he's the true freshman. Lockett's the red shirt freshman. Oh, uh, uh, maybe it was Lockett last year who played and still took the red shirt. Yep, okay, yep. so maybe he does have one or two. Um, crazy. I mean, that's gonna. God, are they just trolling us now? Well, I. My, my thing for Oliver Martin was always, like, I always kind oh, of God. felt that this was going to be a better a better use of his time was to take this, like, a pseudo redshirt year anyways. Just whatever he gets right. um, to take. So if, if there was ever a troll, I almost wonder if it was Brian putting him in uh, for that... <laughs> That uh, uh, fade pattern against Miami of Ohio that got everyone's hopes up a little uh, more than uh, anyone expected. Uh, you know, kind of the the first uh, throw towards him in the first half of the season. Everyone kind of their ears perked up, and you know, uh, Iowa hasn't been so bad at that position that they need anyone else. Um, which I, I think is kind of a good thing. Uh, let him learn. Don't push him any further than he needs to go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if there was any trolling, then it was Brian Ferentz early. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, another question I have for you is Christian Welch isn't on the two deeps. I didn't see anything happen to him. Yeah, I, I think he he's just gotten dinged up. I know he it was Dylan Doyle that got the start, and truth be told, I 
Oh, Welch didn't play in the game at Not all? Not to my knowledge. And Oh, I had no idea. To, to me... That was... Oh, you're right. He's not on the box score. Okay, I had no idea. Welch didn't play that yeah, game. Yeah, to me, that was like one of those classic... You didn't notice anyone getting abused outside of really Hankins that it felt like it was a positive, right? Um, I will say, though, the yep. guy who impressed me was um, Dane Belton. They dusted off the cash. He was it. Uh, he looks like a version of... Uh, Amani Hooker, he's that safety type. He had six tackles, and he was Doyle only had one. Yeah, uh, Belton was good. Belton was good. Um, I thought he was had a little bit of a nose for the ball, um, and he didn't really let any plays uh, hurt him. So I, I was pleased to see him get it. Yeah, he's six one. 190 probably won't get up to hooker no uh, hooker size but no nick neiman on no nick neiman on the box score either yeah i believe it was jack campbell that uh played a little bit in his spot although it was largely uh they went cash pretty heavily against purdue so when they do cash then does campbell play then I guess over Neiman because Neiman's been playing pretty well this year, hasn't he? I would have said so. So uh, I think they just they were looking to mix in some younger guys. I think that was that's kind of the the angle that's being taken for. Uh, well, Iowa gave up twenty points. Um, you know the offense didn't click as well. They're trying to find the right thing by working in some of the youth, and I think there's some validity to that. Um, and, and I think seeing Iowa's shift with uh, Dylan Doyle and Jack Campbell, that was that was part of it. How much cash did we see? To me, it was it felt like almost a hundred percent against Purdue. It wasn't, but oh, but it, it felt like a lot. Yeah. Okay. I would I um, would I would recommend watching the condensed version. It was like a oh. So, uh, we'll talk offline on that. Yeah, maybe. maybe. 20 minutes. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> I my bedtime videos are mostly just Bon Appetit recipes that I'll never make. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, maybe, maybe not. Um, I mean, anything else you want to talk about uh, for that game? Do we get, I mean, we only had the one sack. John Wagoner had his first sack of the career. With cash, I mean, we never really did too much blitzing to begin with. How how was AJE looking? He had you said he had that penalty. Uh, Matt Hankins had eleven total tackles, which isn't great out of a corner. You don't love seeing that. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I guess is partially why I, you said he got his ass chewed out, and now he's number two on the depth chart behind Rodney Moss. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard Julius Brents also. Um, did he play at all? I didn't see him. Um, or maybe 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 I read Julius Prince is making his return this week against Northwestern. Yeah, I think it's it's more that one. Um, maybe that's it. Yeah, I mean to me it's well. First, I forgot saw Max at the tailgate. That was a blast. Um, so there was that. Now I got to meet you, Ben, in an official person. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, well, maybe later. I, pre- I prefer not having met anybody on the board. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. But no, I think like 
uh, Go Iowa Awesome, our uh, rivals in the blog landscape. I, I thought they noted a, an interesting sequence, and it bears repeating here. Iowa ran the same single back set with... Uh, with Brady Ross. Yeah, right? with Brady Ross. Yeah, I did see that. And yeah. it wasn't like... That makes sense if like you truly spread it out. But like Iowa didn't. It was because I, I was it back to back. It wasn't specifically back to back, but it was very very close. And it was something like as I was uh, angry at the game, I took a single note in my phone about it, and it was Iowa possession before Wagner sack, and that was the exact possession that just infuriated me it's like it makes it like it makes sense if you go four wide and it's really like hat on hat football but it's still like two tight ends and i think brady ross has only ever run right so that's probably a little bit of a tell and uh just being able to put nine guys in a box it, it spells doom ben it really does and, and maybe they're setting it up for some third and one rollout, but to my recollection, they did that too. And it just like, I, I think my dad had a very good like point when we got back and watched it. Cause he was sitting at a different spot in the game. And like, when you watch what Stanley is what, when you watch what Stanley is seeing, it's not like Iowa has, great combinations of routes because when he's looking out to his left at one of these longer developing plays, he can't swing his head right and find someone open on the completely opposite side of the field. It's not like he can go left, middle, right. There's just not a lot of space in the middle of the field that's being utilized while they're also attacking the edges. Um, and I thought that that was a pretty good point. Maybe it's wrong, but uh, to me, it's not like Iowa's giving themselves a bunch of different options, even when they do cut the field in half. Cause like I'll go back to Penn state and you watch how they construct a play and they have like that motion totally across the field. Uh, so then you end up having four different, four of the five eligible receivers, on one side of the field at four different levels. And to me, you just don't see that from Iowa. Like you, you just don't. And I think that this offensive line would benefit from some more modern concepts like the RPO, because to me, like that's, you're just telling them to do their job. Just go hit the guy in front of them and it'll be either a quick pass or it'll be a run. And it'll, kind of knock them off their feet uh but you're just not going to see Iowa do it their run pass options decided before snap cool thanks Kirk my least favorite thing is about the Brady Ross the fullback runs in general is Iowa's interior line is not good enough to be giving up that blocker yeah that's a very good point that's my big. That's my biggest gripe. Is our in our offensive line, our run blocking hasn't been good enough this year to totally eliminate an extra blocker from the guy carrying the football. 
I it it is my it bottles the mind, Harrison. Why I'm okay with it on you know third and inches, fourth and inches. No, actually I'm not because Nate Sanders should be getting the ball there. Then, um, you know I love my cousin, I love Brady Ross, but we need him blocking more than a hell of a lot more than we need him running. Um, that's what frustrates me the most with it, and um, I guess this just makes me even more nervous for a Northwestern game at Northwestern where we never, ever win. Um, and God, I need to fucking turn this thing off. Uh, <laughs> and even though Northwestern kind of sort of sucks uh, this year, they just got absolutely moosed by Ohio state um, who everybody's going to get moosed by, but it's even maybe even Wisconsin now after uh, that Illinois game, which I haven't seen a second of and don't plan on watching. But Harrison, I know you're very nervous for Northwestern. I am, um, just because we I always against Northwestern. I'm feeling confident because I'm not going to the game this year because I have another fucking wedding. Um, <laughs> another college roommate. <laughs> I was at a college roommate's wedding last weekend, and then I'm, I have a different college roommate who was there at that uh. wedding. His wedding's this weekend. Um, no communication. God. Or maybe communication. None, none, none whatsoever. Uh, so I won't, I won't be at Ryan Field, which I believe I'm 0-2, maybe even 0-3 at um, for Iowa games. So that gives me some confidence. But, Harrison, why are you so goddamn scared of Northwestern? I will tell you right after this break. So, Ben, here is why I am so afraid of Northwestern. The reason I am afraid is because this is... Iowa hasn't shown enough on offense for me to feel like they can blow Northwestern out. Iowa's only won one of eight games, I believe, inside of a touchdown against Pat Fitzgerald, which... Feels like a lot of losses because it is a lot of losses. And, and I think that Fitzgerald looks at this offense and just sees something very beatable, very containable, I guess is probably the better way to put it. Um, he's done it the last two years, 10 points, 10 points. Um, and maybe the, <laughs> the one positive is 10 points might not be winnable for Northwestern. Um, but you looked at, I, I was just doing some stats and, uh, guess who put up 30 points on average against Northwestern? Greg Davis offense is for Iowa. So, uh, I'm, what was Greg Davis against Northwestern? What was his record? He's actually know? three and two. Um, Okay, well. So that's not necessarily <laughs> better, but one of the losses... Let's throw an asterisk on that. Yeah, one of the losses was when Iowa scored 31 points, and one of the wins was when Iowa scored, like, 17, I think. So, like, it flipped back and forth. And one of those losses was 2012, which is a football season that never existed. Um, but imagine having an offense as bad as 2012s and still scoring 17 points against Northwestern. I'm not convinced that Brian Ferentz can get to 17 points against Northwestern because they've got a pretty good defense outside of getting housed by Ohio state. Um, they're giving up just 
3.8 yards per carry, I think I saw, to teams not Ohio State. And they just have so much motivation to beat Iowa, a team they've already beaten twice in the last two years, to jumpstart their season. Like, he used this phrase, control-alt-delete. Technically... Jumpstart their season in week eight. But... But this is, like, the perfect time for him to hit a reset. Like, I don't think they're all of a sudden going to find their offense against Iowa. I would be very surprised. But I can see them winning a game like 9-7, Ben. I can't see Iowa winning that type of game against Northwestern. I just can't. The, uh... Yeah. The problem is, all I know about Northwestern is that they don't have a quarterback. That's that's it. That's all I know. They can't pass the ball for shit. But I mean, running the ball, maybe do they still have uh, running the ball? Maybe they're they got some good guys. I don't know. I know they have somebody's son who is like one of the best running backs in Northwestern history is on the team, right? Um, uh, I'll have to check that one for you. Um, yeah. All I know is they can't pass worth a shit, and maybe their defense it's always usually pretty good. Uh, but Iowa just always sucks against Northwestern. I was at that game two years ago at Ryan Field where I th- it was at overtime where Noah Fant dropped the ball on fourth down. Yeah. Um, well, and that was right in front of me. That was right. I was right in front of that play, and the ball went right through his chest, and uh, we lost. And that was a uh, god. I call. I think I called Jonah after the game <laughs> for him to calm me down. Um, our, our leader, Jonah Parker. Uh, I don't know. Since I didn't watch Iowa this week, I don't know how to feel other than we're playing North and I'm not other than we're playing Northwestern and we never do well against them. And if we do lose to Northwestern, like nothing, we're going to lose to I think like we'll lose to Minnesota. We'll definitely lose to Wisconsin. Like there's just no excuse. Cause I think I can't, is it, is, do you know, is it homecoming for Northwestern? I can't imagine anybody's going to be there. It's going to be cold up in shitty ass Ryan Field, um, which is which spells trouble for Iowa because they always have trouble. Which uh, they always have a tough time getting motivated for these eleven a.m. games mm-hmm. and and shitty weather and empty stadiums. And I guess with the with, if we don't have Brandon Smith, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think Christian Welch, I guess, I, I had no idea he didn't play last week. He's been great. He's been a very quiet, quietly really good linebacker um, for Iowa. Uh, who knows how I can't comment on Dylan Doyle's play in his absence, but I can't imagine he's an upgrade or anything close despite his uh, namesake, uh, his youth, just more than right. anything. Um uh, uh, I am a little encouraged hearing you say that we went back to the cash position. Um, I just hope we're able to do anything on offense, I guess. Um, like on paper, Iowa should just absolutely boat race Northwestern. They're not even a Purdue level talent-wise, I think, on paper. And it's going to be really, really, really hard to watch. And I'm thankful I'm not going to be able to watch. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even say that on paper, I was supposed to boat race them. Like, I mean, I was offenses. Uh, I was running through these stats driving, riding in the car yesterday. Um, just because like it, it, 
it is unbelievable how good Iowa's defense is in spite of its offense, right? Is that the better way to phrase it, in spite of their offense? Because yeah. Iowa's got yeah. a top 30 margin of victory, and literally every other team in the top 30 puts up or is a top 60 scoring offense, and Iowa is 90. They are the 90th scoring offense. And this is not against a bunch of world beaters like I thought. Penn State's got a top five scoring defense, and then Michigan is 21st. And Northwestern is below Iowa State, if my memory serves me correctly, but uh, above every other team that Iowa's played, which includes Purdue, Miami of Ohio, Middle Tennessee State. I, I just need to see Iowa play offense well against a defense with competence. And, like, we saw it against Mississippi State, sure. But Iowa was also gifted a ton of yardage, particularly on their first scoring drive when there were back-to-back personal foul penalties. Not to get into nitpicking yards, but I, I Iowa hasn't put up yards necessarily and points to follow against really good defenses in a while. And like you look at what Iowa State's doing. I'm now wondering if somehow Iowa benefited more from that those breaks than Iowa State did somehow. Like cuz I I look back at that game and I just don't wonder I wonder how Iowa even lost it. Um or how Iowa didn't lose it. Uh, a Phil Parker special, but I don't know. Like I, I just, I saw, saw this team in person. The talent is just so there and it's frustrating that there's like no connective tissue and it's just frustrating. I just don't know that Iowa can score enough against Northwestern. Maybe they can, maybe Brian's able to pull out the, the Ohio state playbook and, uh, rack up 55 points against uh, a decent defense. But I am not optimistic in any sense of the word. I I think that Pat Fitzgerald views Brian Ferentz as his little brother who's just deserved nothing and wants to tell him that every time he sees him. Maybe that's rude, but I, I... yeah, I don't think Pat. I, think I don't think Pat Fitzgerald likes Brian Ferentz at all. I don't think Pat Fitzgerald likes anybody. Well, th- that's a good point. Yeah, but no, I wouldn't. Fuck, if I was any Big Ten coach, I wouldn't like Brian Ferentz. Other, unless like has Brian Brown or our any team that owns him, I guess. Um, do you know the number or the spread on next week's game? It started 11, went down to 10, and I think the over-under is 39, which feels like way too many points. It uh, Over-under is 37 and a half. Still way too um, many points. Like, if this game, I would not be I don't trust it. I don't know if you could go low enough for a point total, Ben. I don't know if Iowa's double digits favorites over anybody. Other than Rodgers, who we already played, and Illinois, and even after watching Illinois be Wisconsin, 
I don't trust his double-digit favorites over any single team in the Big Ten. Well, and, like, I mean, there's that statistic about Iowa being double-digit favorite and losing a ton of games under Kirk Ferentz. Like, to me, this this just... I, Northwestern is pl- going to play with a desperation, and I just don't know if Iowa can match that emotion at 11 in the morning to what you said, especially in an environment like Ryan Field where we've all had horrible experiences. Say there's no one, which is to say is no environment whatsoever. Yeah. Oh my God. It's probably, let me look at the forecast. It's probably cold. It's going to be cold. It'll probably be rainy. The grass is going to be a foot tall. No, oh, 56 and sunny actually. Um, I don't know. This game's going to suck. Yeah. Like I think I'm actually busy during it. This weekend, we're down in Dallas. We have a wedding, uh, I guess, coincidentally enough, but it's uh, Christina's mom's birthday, and we have to, and and we get to celebrate. So uh, um, that'll probably be what I'm doing at 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, I'll be wearing a rented suit and taking a bunch of pictures at 11 a.m. for a wedding that doesn't start till 6. So. That is early. You know, Ben, though, it could be worse. How? Uh, Iowa could be a two-point underdog hosting Indiana. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Did they... I saw... Did they dis- dismiss, dismiss Maurice Washington from the team today? I didn't see it as a dismissal, but it certainly seemed like he was out of the family very weird because I guess they had their bye week this past week, right? Or no, they played. Right. They did. They did not play this past. So week. they lost to Ohio State, then lost to Minnesota, then had a bye. So I guess he hasn't been practicing yeah. since that Minnesota game, and I don't know what he could have done that set Scott Frost over the edge of uh, discipline because it's just. I just don't get it. Like, you hitched your wagon to this guy who is appears very guilty for the crime that he is alleged to have committed. Objectively, <laughs> objectively guilty. <laughs> uh, not yet. He's alleged to have committed it, Ben. We'll find out later. We have to right. put this thing. Right. We have to put that disclaimer on. I think well, we probably should. Journalism. But. Right, but he like he's kind of admitted to the crime on the record. So. Oh, well, I guess you're I mean, right. I missed that part. Yeah. Um, but you've already hitched your wagon to this guy. Like, because he missed a meeting, that's that's what you're going to be like, oh, you're out of the – you're not going to practice with the team anymore. It's like, okay, well, when you felt comfortable harboring him while he's under investigation for this crime – you can't keep him in the family. Pet. I don't care about this guy anymore. I mean, fuck this guy. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Okay. When does frost fatigue set in in Nebraska? I think this is it. If they I kind of think this is it. No way. You think he's gone after this? Oh, no, 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 no. I think this is when it starts. This is when it starts. Do you think there's any chance he gets fired after next year? This is this is like the conundrum that Michigan has with Harbaugh. I, if it's not going to be Frost, 
But Harbaugh has three ten ten win seasons to your yeah to my drum that you I do I do beat that drum, but I think if not him, who is always going to be kind of the question, and I think you need to give him at least four years, maybe five, to show progress. Like I don't think you can fire your prodigal. This is bad. This is bad. You think you think this Maurice Washington thing is so bad, or you're saying that? No, no. This uh, Maurice Washington aside, this team is bad. They are not good. They are. Yeah, I, I think they yeah. started more. I think they started more true freshmen uh, on their team than any other team that's never been on sanctions in the history of <laughs> college football. Um, like all, like I think. They've had a they've had a walk on started every single linebacker position, I think this year. Um, like that's not sustainable, Harrison. Yeah, you are you're you're, you're correct about that, and, and I think the broader point is like they make their investment in talent is not along the line necessarily, and that's what wins. And like to PJ Flex credit, your most hated team. I know, no, and I'm fucking drinking that Kool Aid so much, and I hate myself for but, it. But like, he's he's doing exactly what Nebraska he's doing everything he needs to do. would want to do, and Nebraska yeah. isn't doing. Like, Minnesota, Nebraska should aspire to be Minnesota, like because that that to me, flex. I want I want to aspire to be Minnesota. Whoa, whoa, whoa Ben, that uh, let's pump the brakes. Let's Fine. pump the brakes on that. Okay. okay. Um, we'll find out in a couple, <laughs> couple of weeks, uh, if we actually want to be yeah. Minnesota, but like, I mean, I think that there's just, there's a way to win in this division and it is 100% along the line. And, you know, maybe to bring it full circle to Iowa, maybe that's just why we're going to have to wait because all these freshmen are on the line. They didn't pan out with... Landon Paulson and Levi Paulson. I mean, I, I think that's clear that they were that they are busts. Um, and it's funny because Brian said he could find pretty wild that Landon still getting starts, even getting after getting pulled in multiple games, whereas Levi, who I think is a better blocker, is still on the two deeps as the second string right tackle. I don't understand why. Levi is not getting reps on the interior offensive line. Yeah, I would just switch them out at that. At I don't, and I don't get it. I don't understand why Landon's still getting reps. He's been pulled for in two games, in two different games, for whiffing completely on blocks. Yeah. Oh well. Maybe that's just it. Maybe we just need to wait until Iowa has proper line play. But it just feel like it's just such a cop out. Like I mean. <laughs> the, the, the talent to me is there. Like, I mean, I think there's proper talent. I just don't think it's being utilized appropriately. But uh, do you think this is a poll? Do you think poll sex gone? I think that would be the move if Iowa makes one. Yeah, I think so. And too. I, I almost wonder, like, if to me, I think there are probably two larger moves that you make. You would get rid of Polisek. And like I, 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 you're right. I don't necessarily like calling for people's jobs. I think it's you know it's, he's got a family, but I think the move would be for Polisak to get promoted to fan. 
Um, and maybe Ken O'Keefe, you take him out to pasture and you bring in a like true quarterback coach who becomes passing game coordinator. Um, and to me, that was like the best Iowa offense that's existed the last 10 years was when you had the run game coordinator, the overarching offensive coordinator. Um, maybe you flip that a little bit with Brian being the offensive coordinator. You've got a passing game coordinator. You're, you got two guys who can kind of go off into a laboratory and, 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 uh, uh, come up with a scheme uh, that they can operate within both the outside zone running scheme and different pass concepts. I mean, to me, that that might be the overall move you make because, like, Iowa isn't getting the juice out of Polisak because he's someone who came in, had a varied run game at North Dakota State, and Iowa's used a very limited amount of that. So, so, like, uh, part of it is, like, what does the coach bring to the table and not in terms of making the team better conceptually? And I don't think I was using Polosek to his full potential. So, I, I'm not sure. Iowa can find some other offensive line coach to teach whatever Brian and Kirk want him to teach. You heard it here first. No, don't put that on me. Uh, don't put uh, that on me. But I think like Ben Ross, the coach, the offensive line at Iowa. <laughs> Found out a come and go. God. If only I was, what do you say, 6'3"? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got just a few inches to get there. I got some platforms around here somewhere. <laughs> God. Ah. Uh... Uh, I mean, I got nothing else. Same, dude. Same. Cool. Well, I I guess that does it uh, for Ben Ross. Uh, you see a lot of white claws at tailgate. Uh, too many, man. Too many. Too many. Mm. But around what, what? What? Where? Which lot were you in tailgate? Oh, uh, we uh we tailgate at Hancher. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never tailgated there. It. It's pretty good. Is there? Is there a shuttle, or do you just make the walk? I uh, know you shut. They have a shuttle. I've done both, but we okay. did the shuttle on Saturday. I mean, that's like a, that's almost a, that's a two mile walk, right? Ah, uh, not quite. No, because you cut down. What is it? It's not Riverside. I don't know what street that is anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just follow the crowds, man. Yeah, I'm just a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> sheep. Uh, and on that note, uh, thanks for listening. I'm Harrison Starr, joined by Ben. Ross at Renboss23 or whatever that name is. I'm at HD underscore Scar. Full of hot dating tips recently. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even get to those. We didn't even get to those. I, they tell the whole story. Next time. Next time. Next time. I'll have another one, yeah. Alrighty. Talk to you later. I can't get a text back.